Hello, 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 everyone. This is Cole Haight coming at you live for another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. Hope everybody's having a good day. It's a little bit hot here in Pennsylvania, but we're getting through. Uh, Today, special episode, we're going to continue the divisional recaps for the NFL going on with the AFC North. However, we're going to do a special segment first from the this past weekend, uh, UFC 264. A lot of takes I've got on that. Went up, uh, had a party, watched some Euro soccer, uh, watched UFC 264, most of the prelims and all of the main card fights. A lot of things I gathered from three main fights of which I put multiple bets on. So we're going to talk about that first and then we'll get into the divisional recap. So if you guys didn't know, UFC 264, pretty good card this week. Um, it was gr- it was going to be good. Everything hyped on Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, which we will get to by the end of the segment. However, since I've talked mostly about NFL for most of my five episodes or six episodes I've already posted so far. So Greg Hardy was on the... Uh, main card for the UFC, UFC 264 against Tua Tuavasa. Uh, Greg Hardy, sketchy, just like he was in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, one of his fights so far previously before he was on the main card for UFC 264. He used an illegal inhaler and the fight was called a no contest. Not surprised since of all the sketchy stuff he pulled in the NFL. Um, normally not willing to say this but uh some of the cowboys players have been very sketchy off the field for the past few years i'm not really a dallas cowboys hater their fans are more or less the reason why i don't like them um however craig hardy still in the ufc proved that he is a little bit more subpar than people would have thought got knocked out in the first round combined both Fighters only landed 17 punches before the knockout punch, and Greg Hardy only had six of those. He looked pretty solid coming out, but he took a right hand to the face and got knocked on the floor. So Greg Hardy knocked out, and that was the biggest bet that I had on the UFC was Greg Hardy and two other people to win. The other two people did win, so therefore I lost the parlay. That's enough about Greg Hardy. Let's go on to Sugar Sean O'Malley. So Sugar Sean O'Malley was fighting against Chris Moutinho. Uh, Chris Moutinho, UFC debut, uh, a lot smaller than Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, O'Malley only has one overall loss so far. Uh, and I've watched about four or five of his previous fights. And this guy's a great fighter. He's got a lot of length, a lot of wingspan, a lot of reach. Uh, great guy up top on his feet. Not as much a grappler as much as he is on his toes. So Sugar Sean O'Malley landed 72% of his strikes in this match. He landed 230 strikes on 318 thrown. That is unbelievable. So this match was three rounds, three five-minute rounds. So... That's 70, that's going to hit 70, over 70 times per round. That's unbelievable for a man in his debut. And he took the fight, Chris Moutinho f- took this fight on 11 days notice. So you're, you're making your debut on the big stage, on the main card, 
of UFC 264 on 11 days notice and you're smaller than your opponent and you get punched over 70 times or struck over 70 times per round and he was still upright with 27 seconds left in the round, the third round, the last round. That is very impressive. It almost looked like Rocky Balboa as I was watching it live. He could continue to get hit repeatedly in the face and he was still standing up like still pressing on pressing on Sean O'Malley and he got a decent amount of shots in on him to make it like it was an actual fight so ever he had the worst he had the worst odds to win out of anybody so it was, uh, Sugar Sean I believe was minus a thousand so he was 10 to 1 odds to win and I believe Chris Mutino was about nine and a half to one to win so that that's a pretty big spread especially when you're betting um, but I'm saying that was a great fight to watch because it was almost like you were watching a Rocky movie because Rocky's always down. He's always getting hit in the face. He's always that guy who's, who's can take amazing amounts of punishment and then come out of nowhere. I saw that in Chris Moutinho watching that fight. It was amazing to watch that. And Sugar Sean, after the fight, was talking about how they that he should be glad that they stopped it. I think he could have made it to the end of the round, if not had a few more good licks in. Because he took he took a decent amount of punishment in the first round and in the second round early and came back and still had decent shots on him. So kudos to, to Chris Moutinho. Obviously, I put my money on Sugar Sean O'Malley, but it, it was a great fight to watch. And to be quite honest with you, that's very impressive for your UFC debut on national television. There was probably nothing, nothing better that anyone in his corner could have expected from him than to put on that performance. If you guys don't believe me, or if you want to go back, if I encourage you to go back and watch that fight, if you can find it, like go back and watch that fight. Like this guy is taking huge punishment to the face, to the body, kicks to the head. He's taking huge amounts of punishment. And guess what? He endured it the entire time and took 230 struck shots by the end of that round. And they called it before he was even on the floor. Sean O'Malley didn't even put him on on the floor. He was upright the entire time and the ref called it. I mean, 27 seconds, you should have just let, let, he was in no, he was in no shape for the ref to call that, I don't think, because he's already taking that punishment for the first two and a half rounds. Why would you not just extend the match another 27 seconds? I would understand if he was like unconscious or on the ground or was in a bad spot, but that ref ruined the end of that match only because like Chris Moutinho, his effort for that entire match could have been worth it going all the way to the end and getting an official decision versus a TKO. All right. Finally, the piece to resistance. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Conor McGregor coming in to uh, 22 and five. Uh, Dustin Poirier coming in at 27 and six. This is the third fight of them. Connor won the first one by knockout. Dustin Poirier won the first one by or the second one by knockout. So, coming into this fight, I really, really, really thought that Dustin Poirier was going to be the one to come out and and come out strong, and he did in this match, landing more than fifty percent of his strikes in the first in the first round. But here's the thing: so Dustin Poirier can grapple. He's a wrestler. 
I thought he would get Connor on the ground. He had three minutes and 18 seconds of control on the ground. I thought Connor was going to come out strong and try and knock him out right away, which he did. Uh, very good hit, uh, missed to hit ratio. Very good. Uh, Connor hit a lot of his punches in the first round. So if you guys haven't seen it, if you're if you're one of those people who watches videos and gets a little bit queasy, do not watch. Uh, but if you're interested in it, please do watch it. He uh, Connor came in with a punch with a right uh, and snapped his ankle basically flat on the on the the floor, and basically they called the fight as a TKO. Um, Dustin Poirier deserved to win this fight. He played uh, he he fought well. Um, I'm kind of mad, uh, based on the fact that it was a paid pay-per-view, that, um, that it only lasted as long as it did. However, um, I don't have that much respect for Conor McGregor, and for all you guys out there that do, um, you can. It's just an opinion. Like I said before in my previous episodes, you got an opinion. I'm not going to hate on you for it. It's what you believe, and it's what I believe, but... Conor McGregor brings things into sports that I absolutely despise, and that's the reason why I dislike him and do not root for him. 100% of me growing up, I played baseball. I I played golf in high school. I played basketball. I played football. I even messed around with hockey a little bit. Um... You don't bring some of the stuff that he says into sports. I'm okay with you scoring a touchdown and showboating and celebrating a touchdown. I'm okay with you arguing with an umpire over a call in baseball. I'm okay with you saying that you're going to knock somebody out that you're fighting against because you're providing for your family. You know what I'm not okay with? You saying you're going to murder someone, kill them, and say that their wife has been... Uh, sending you DMs and because they that you want to hook up with her and she wants to hook up with you and talking crap like that. You don't bring somebody's family into something. You don't bring murder into something. You guys are fighting to provide for your families. The optimum goal is for you guys to put on a show, make money, and go back safe to your families. You don't say that you're going to murder people. Conor McGregor does nothing but put on a show. That's all he cares about. You can every press conference he's ever done. I saw it on the Ultimate Fighter. I saw it on every single press conference for every fight that he's ever had. He doesn't give a rat's ass, pardon my French, about anything that he says to anyone else. It's ridiculous. There's no need for that in sports. And if you want to do that, then start a podcast, get out of the game, and just talk crap on people on a podcast. If you're going to do that, just do that. Because basically, you have lost a decent amount of your last five fights. Conor McGregor has not had a decent win since he fought Cowboy Cerrone, who's old and out of shape, and he beat him being a very high favorite. He says he wants to fight Khabib. He's going to lose to Khabib. He fights Dustin Poirier again. He's going to lose to Dustin Poirier again. There's a thing out about Floyd Mayweather that nobody understands. I'm not a huge Floyd Mayweather fan, but he has a lot of money, right? When you have a lot of money in sports, where's your drive coming from? You started from the bottom. You you train real hard to get in these fights. Where's your drive now that you have $150 million? Dustin Poirier doesn't have $150 million. 
He's out there providing for his family. He got into a point where he has so much money now that his drive is now to just talk crap and be completely irrelevant. Conor McGregor's career is over. Any fight that he gets in now, unless it's boxing Jake or Logan Paul to make money, is over. He said he's going to be good in six weeks after this leg. There's no way. There's no way he's going to be good in six weeks to start retraining. And you know you know that Dana White's going to give him another fight with Poirier. And Poirier's going to win again. He's going to try and fight Khabib. Khabib's going to win. He'll come out of retirement, beat him, and then go back and retire. I believe nothing in Conor McGregor, and I never will. Nobody will change my mind about it. I just, I there's no room for that in sports. Sports is to be competitive and get back to your family, just like every other job. You're a coal miner. You're a steel worker. You're a military man. You do your job. You, you're really good at it, and then you go home to your family. There's no reason you got to say that you're going to be murdering people, murdering, making threats on their family, and talking crap about somebody's family. There's, there's no room for that. There's no room for that in sports, especially in the UFC, which is why I do not like Conor McGregor. This will happen. The, the, the fourth fight will happen. There's a 100% chance it will just because it'll draw so much attention because that's what Connor's good at is drawing attention to the UFC, which is what Dana White wants. The, he'll give him the fight, but he ain't going to win it. And you guys can look back on this podcast and, and I can guarantee he won't win it. All right. Off of UFC 264 on to the NFL. So today's recap, AFC North. We're going to do recent acquisitions, projected records, and the takes that I have based on what I've seen throughout the offseason. So the AFC North, we're going to start with the Cleveland Browns. Jadavian Clowney, great pickup for them. He's got to prove his worth, though. Is he worth what he's getting paid? And Miles Garrett will be on the opposite side. So as long as Miles Miles Garrett is on the opposite side and he stays healthy throughout the year, they're going to have a really good defensive end squad, especially to go along with some of the other defensive players they have on that team and have picked up and drafted. It's going to be amazing. Now, opposite of him, for, for the same amount of pressure, is Odell Beckham Jr. So Odell needs to help Baker Mayfield. If he helps out Baker Mayfield by doing one of two things, he needs to perform to what he's worth in his contract, or he needs to coach up every single other wide receiver in that room to make sure that Baker gets the support he needs to run away with this division because they have one of the strongest divisions in the AFC, if not the strongest. So if he can support Baker Mayfield and be the solid rock on the offense that that team needs to lead them, that team is going to be amazing amazing and for the reasons right now that i'm going to give you secondary depth and defensive playmakers i'm going to rattle off a few names and i'm going to tell you how then you're going to know by the end of the next 30 seconds how solid this defense is so we got grant delpit at safety coming back from lsu last season he got hurt amazing you play linebacker and safety they got John Johnson and Troy Hill. John Johnson, a safety from the Rams. Troy Hill, corner from the Rams. Going to help that back end. They got Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, and Greg Newsom at cornerback. 
all three of them can play the slot and outside interchangeably and for extreme amounts of depth. It's going to be amazing. So that's their defensive depth. Now look at their wide receiver depth. Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Great 50-50 ball target. Can win on routes. Great route runner. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They're multiple faceted. Can play either or. And can also be that veteran presence in the in the locker room. They got Rashard Higgins. Anthony Schwartz, the speedster from Auburn. And Kadero Hodge, who is a very underrated third wide receiver target. That's depth. That is extreme depth. All of those names I just named, only half of them start. Which means the rest of them are just depth. As long as Baker can perform and the offense can stay balanced and their defense stays healthy, the Cleveland Browns are the AFC dark horse to win the Super Bowl this year. They can compete with Kansas City based on that roster. Now they need coaching. Kevin Stefanski can coach them up. What they don't need is Baker losing his mind and Odell Beckham losing their minds on the sidelines and in the media. Stay away from the media presence and stay away from the the off-the-field problems. And the Cleveland Browns are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I got the Cleveland Browns going 13-4 and four at the end of the season. And they're winning the division. All right, moving on. Pittsburgh Steelers. So, very interesting offseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to lead that defense. And they've lost a lot of solid players on defense, which we'll get to in a minute. But he needs to be a ball hawk. And he needs to prove that he's a top three safety in the league. If he does not, they need to find another veteran presence. But Minka Fitzpatrick is a very solid wide, or sorry, very solid safety, and he needs to perform the same way he performed last year. And he needs to be that veteran presence, which I just mentioned about Odell and Jadavian Clowney for the Browns. He needs to be that veteran presence because coaching takes you so far. If you hear it from your veteran players, it instills into your brain. I've seen it happen on my own football team multiple times. I've seen it happen in the past. Everybody needs to be sound mentally and sound physically. No injuries. Don't act like an idiot. They signed Trey Turner. Um, So uh, Marquise Pouncey, DeCastro, and Villanueva, all three are starting offensive, offensive line help from them last year are all gone. Trey Turner, they signed to fill that void and to at least limit the pain of them losing those players. Those are three Pro Bowl players. Losing one to retirement and two via free agency hurts their offensive line, which hurts their run game, which hurts the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is old and he still has to try and perform the same way with a less strong offensive line. There needs to be coaching up front. There needs to be a solid line for Ben Roethlisberger and Najee Harris to perform this season and to make sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers are more than just relevant. They lost Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, their two starting corners, to free agency. They didn't really replace them. 
with any notable names or any anybody worth anything. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm not really expecting much. However, the Steelers have always been solid under under their head coach. So we'll see if he can coach them up and make them still because they, they've ne- they haven't been under 500 in about 10 years. They're at least 500 or above in 10 years. All right, Najee Harris, I I mentioned him before. So he's going to be a workhorse for them. Najee Harris did everything at Alabama. He's going to be what James Conner should have been. James Conner was was a decent running back, don't get me wrong, but he is the Derrick Henry version of James Conner, if that makes sense, if you're following what I'm saying. He's going to be the Derrick Henry version of James Conner. He's going to get the targets out of the backfield. He's going to run at least 20 times a game. He's probably going to see 25 to 30 touches a game. And they have decent wide receiver depth for them to be able to keep their offense balanced more than it was last season after they started 11-0. And the last puzzle, the last puzzle piece is Big Ben Roethlisberger. Restructured his contract. He's making $14 million this season. Can he perform? Is he going to practice? There's all these leaks coming out about Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to put the practice time in, doesn't want to practice in the offseason, just wants to do what he wants. You you got to get with the program. You got to do what it takes for your team to get to the playoffs, to perform at the highest level. It would sketch me out as a, as a coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers or as a GM for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the minute I found out or saw anything leaked about Ben Roethlisberger not caring about staying in shape during the offseason and not caring about putting the work in, that would already turn me off. I'm done. I'm not doing this if you're doing that, which is basically what they did with his contract considering he was supposed to make $40 million, but now he restructured to only hit $14 million. They must have that that's how they probably deal with it. However, like you got people hungry ready to come replace you. You know that it's the it's the butt end of your career. You, you got you gotta do it. You, you, you gotta put the work in to make sure you get to the ship. Alright, I got the Steelers going nine and eight. This season, not a huge fan of Big Ben. I don't think he's going to perform, and I think that defense takes a step back. They're going 9-8 and eight this season. All right, moving on to the Baltimore Ravens. So Baltimore Ravens made a lot of wide receiver pickups in the offseason in the draft. They got Sammy Watkins from the Kansas City Chiefs. They got Rashad Bateman from the University of Minnesota. Go Golden Gophers. And they got Tylen Wallace as well, a speedster to play the slot. So that's going to replace. And they have um, Hollywood Brown. So Hollywood Brown, with those three I just mentioned, are going to be way than enough targets for deep threats and route runners for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson needs to figure it out. Lamar Jackson struggled throwing on the run, throwing in the pocket. He hits tight ends. He doesn't really hit wide receivers. He needs to be more consistent. 
If Lamar Jackson is more consistent, he's going to get his fifth-year option. And this year is an audition for him. Do you want your fifth-year option? And if so, how much? Because if you can hit these wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, big target. He's, I believe he's a little underrated for what he is. Everybody always says that ever after he's been hurt, he had a bunch of ankle problems. He had a bunch of soft tissue issues. But Sammy Watkins is a decent wide receiver. If I was drafting him in fantasy, I would say he's a wide receiver three. He's not. He's not a bum. Everybody thinks that he's out of his prime, old. He's not good enough. His routes aren't. His routes run aren't that good. His hands are. But no, he's a wide receiver three. So he can be a wide receiver three for this team. Rashad Bateman proved it. Tylen Wallace proved it in college. They can be starters with Hollywood Brown, and there's your four targets with your tight ends that you love hitting, and with your run game that's way above average. Lamar Jackson is set up. He should be set up this season. And then you've got your their defense, so they didn't really lose anything on the defensive line or the front seven, but let, let me just tell you they're, they're strong secondary starters right now. So you got Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey starting at corner and Anthony Anthony Levine and Jimmy Smith starting at safety. And Jimmy Smith can play corner and safety. That's pretty solid. Like their defense is always solid, but they really didn't lose much from last season in free agency or via trade or whatever what have you. So I've got the Baltimore Ravens going 10 and 7 this season. I don't believe 100% in Lamar, but he's going to bring him back in a few games. They're coming in second place in the, in the division, and I'm thinking they probably sneak into the last wild card spot at 10-7. and seven. All right, now, and in the basement, the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. Joe Mixon coming back. Joe Mixon be nice. But my huge focus here is Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow last season got a lot of kudos for how he played. I don't give him that much kudos. He won two games in 10 starts. So you so you might be thinking, right, you win two games in 10 starts, their defense must have been bad. Yeah, it's bad, and it's still bad. And he's coming off an injury. Yes, they got Jamar Chase. Yes, they have Tyler Boyd. And yes, they have T. Higgins. And Joe Mixon at running back. But he's going to have to carry that team offensively because their defense is 100% subpar. You cannot continue to play subpar defense and expect to win in the NFL. Look at all the defenses that played bad last season were only carried by teams who won in shootouts. Like the Dallas Cowboys. Like the Tennessee Titans. The Minnesota Vikings, second to worst defense in the league, won seven games with the top five offense. More than more than not, if your defense is l- bottom five, you're going to struggle to win games in this league. The other thing with Joe Burrow is his coach. Zach Taylor is getting $6 million. For what? He's 6-25-1 in the last two years. He's won six games in two years. That's unbelievable. That's almost as bad as Hugh Jackson from the Browns, who won one game 
in two years and had a tie. It's unbelievable. So Zach Taylor needs to figure it out, and they need to, he needs to coach them up to be at least average. Like you need to be at least average this season, or your your job is gone. Your job is absolutely gone. So the Bengals are going to finish in the in the bottom of this division. They're going to be in the basement. I got the Bengals going six and eleven. Six and eleven this season. They're going to get a lot of wins from Joe Burrow, just carrying them. But most of their away games, they're going to lose. So I got them going six and eleven. So that's the AFC North recap. I thank you guys for listening. If you know anybody who would like the podcast, please share it via Facebook. Share it any way you can. Uh, please comment. Also, send me DMs on Facebook if you have any feedback for me for the for the podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, stay cool out there, especially everywhere in the United States right now. It's getting hot. It's getting humid. So stay cool out there. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Peace.